Welcome to the Asbury Free Methodist Broadcast, where today we will be listening to this week's sermon by Pastor Brent Russell. If you have your Bibles, tablets, smartphones, want to follow along, we're looking at Exodus chapters 13, verses 17, and all of chapter 14. The year was 1989. I'd been the pastor of Bruce Mines Wesleyan Church for four years. I'd been married for two years. And I was starting to get the sense that it was time for us to leave that church in Bruce Mine. Linda and I had been praying about it. And first Linda, then I, had the sense that there was a ministry in Ottawa that God wanted us to do. So in January of 1990, uh, I let the church in Bruce Mines know that our time had come to an end. Now one of the thing, curious things about the Wesleyan Church is that uh, all the pastors, if they're going to move, move at the same time of year, the third week of July. And what that means is that if people are going to resign, they normally resign in March uh, or thereabouts. Well, I knew the pastor at Sunnyside Wesleyan Church in Ottawa uh, to say hi. I had no idea whether he had plans to resign or not. He had no idea that I felt led to Ottawa. I resigned because... We felt like God was calling us away from Bruce Vines to Ottawa. But February passed, and March passed, and the pastor at Sunnyside didn't resign. And we wonder if we heard from God wrong. Question, did we get it wrong? Then, then I heard that the pastor at Sunnyside did resign, and the church never called. And the church never called. And again, we wondered, did we get it wrong? So I went to introduce, interview to, uh, for an interview to pastor a church in the London area, then a different church in the Kitchener area. We thought we heard from God, but maybe we got it wrong. You ever felt like God was leading you, and then you felt like you got it wrong? As it turned out, the church in Ottawa did call us, and uh, we moved to Ottawa, and it was obviously God who had us there. I don't know about you, but I sometimes struggle with the leading of God. I want God to lead, but sometimes he feels silent. There are other times when I think God might be leading, but not so sure I like the direction he's leading in. There are other times when I think, could just hear better, then everything would fall into place. And sometimes God leads me in ways where in stuff that I'm not praying about, but the stuff that I am praying about, he seems to be silent on that. I suspect that some of you here have struggled with the leading of God as well. One of the things that I found, though, in understanding God's leading and experiencing it is to know the ways of God, to understand who he is, understand how he's led in the past. And so when you know that, it makes it a little easier to, well, spot his leading now. So last week we started this series in Exodus, and this morning I want to continue on when God leads. Come with me to Exodus chapter 13. And we're think, uh, as we think about God's leading, verse 17. 
So when Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main road that runs through the Philistine territory, even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. God said, if, if my people are faced with a battle, they might change their mind and return to Egypt. So God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness towards the Red Sea, and thus the Israelites left Egypt like an army ready for battle. Exodus is not kidding when it says that God did not take them the shortest route. Take a look at this map. The red circle on your left is where they started out. The red circle on the top right, that's Jerusalem, basically. You know that the shortest distance between two points is a straight line, right? Um, the red that you see, that's the route they, take, they took. So when the Exodus says that God did not lead them along the shortest route, yeah, he was telling the truth, right? See, the shortest route would have led through the Philistine territory. And over subsequent years, God would help his people defeat the, the Philistines many times. He could have helped them to defeat the Philistines this time, too. But the Israelites didn't know that. They didn't know that God could help them win battles. They'd been slaves for 400 years. God says, if my people have to go to war right away, they might change their mind and they might go back to Egypt. So God led them the long way around. God's ultimate plan for the Hebrew people was to get them to the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey, a land that would be theirs, but God's plan was to get them to a good place, to lead them into freedom. God was much more interested in this than he was in efficiency. Here's what you need to know about God. God is more interested in seeing his plans and purposes fulfilled than he is in efficiency. God is more interested in seeing his plans and purposes filled, fulfilled than he is in efficiency. What that means is that God takes into account our frailty. He takes into account our, our lack of faith, our lack of knowledge. He takes all these things into account when he leads us. God knew that his people were going to have to fight a war to get into the promised land. He knew that they were not ready to trust him to fight on their behalf. He knew what he, that they needed to develop faith, so he took them the long way around. But it wasn't wasted time. See, when they were in the desert, they learned a lot about the ways of God. It was on the way that they received the Ten Commandments. It was on the way that they saw the power of God to work on their behalf. It was on the way where they needed to make choice after choice to follow God. Some of you feel like you've taken the long way around. Some of you feel like it's taking a long time to get to where you think you need to be. And maybe, in fact, where God's calling you to be. I want you to know God has a plan. God has a purpose for your life. 
but he is much more interested in fulfilling that purpose than he is in efficiency, in getting you there quickly. Sometimes it takes a while for God to get us to where he wants us to be, and he seems all right with that. He has you on a journey, maybe not the most direct journey, but it is a journey that you need to be on. Verse 20. So the Israelites left, left Sakuth and camped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. Now, the Lord went ahead of them, and he guided them during the day with a pillar of fire, and he provided light at night with or a pillar of cloud, and he provided light at night with a pillar of fire. This allowed them to travel by day or by night, and the Lord did not remove the pillar of cloud or the pillar of fire from its place in front of the people. It's kind of like a supernatural GPS system, right? You know, there, um, my, there's times I wish that God would lead in my life like that. It's obvious, fork in the road, turn right, go four, four kilometers, turn left, yeah. Um, I don't know about you, but sometimes, most times, God's leading is not that obvious to me. But God did what he needed to do for his people. Now today, you have something that the uh, people of God didn't have, have in that time. God's Spirit was with them, but God's Spirit was not in them. And so, but if you've become a follower of Jesus, God's Spirit is in you. And his Spirit wants to lead you and walk with you. And he's urging you to keep in step with the Spirit. So you have a guide that they didn't. They had a pillar of fire, but you have God himself inside you. And he wants to help you to learn to follow his leading. 14 verse 1. So then the Lord gave these instructions to Moses. Order the Israelites to turn back and camp at Phi-Heroth, <laughs> I'm not sure, between Migdal and the sea, camp there along the shore across from Baal Zavon, and then Pharaoh will think, ah, the, the Israelites are confused. They're trapped in the wilderness. And once again, I'll harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will chase after you. I planned this in order to display my glory through Pharaoh and his whole army. After this, the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israels camped there as they were told. So the Lord has been leading his people with a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And now what does he say in verse 2? Turn back and camp. I love this time of year. Uh, it's motorcycle season. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, motorcycling is such a great sport for introverts, i got to say. You know, you're driving along, and I often drive with friends, but, you know, you're, own, you're in your own little world. Uh, now, when you're driving with friends, one person leads and the rest follows. I've been known to take the lead and then miss a turn. And uh, we don't have high-tech helmets with Bluetooth or anything, so, so you don't get to discuss, oh, the upcoming turn, that's the right turn. Uh, I know that when I miss a turn and we have to turn around and go back, I feel like, oh, I failed in my leadership. Uh, I've done something wrong. 
So when God says, turn back and camp back at the place where you came from, uh, it feels like that's wrong. They followed wrong. Why? Because we see through the lens of efficiency. But God is quite okay with saying, you followed well. You followed correctly. Now turn around. Doesn't make sense to us, but God has his purposes. So he says, I'm going to show my glory. I'm going to let the Egyptians know that I am the Lord. So what I want you to do is I want you to camp on the edge of the sea in the middle of the wilderness. In other words, I want you to go in the opposite direction that I've been leading you and go camp in a place that is both indefensible and unescapable. And I have a plan, and it's for my glory. I just want to say that unless you're sure that you're following God, this doesn't make sense. But if you're following God, it doesn't seem all that abnormal. Sometimes following God is hard. Sometimes it doesn't make sense right off the bat. But God's plans are good. His purposes are always good. Verse 5. So when the word reached the king of Egypt that the Israelites had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their mind. What have we done letting those Israelite slaves get away, they asked. So, so Pharaoh harnessed his chariots and called up his troops. He took with him 600 of Egypt's best chariots along with the rest of the chariots of Egypt, and each with a, its commander. The Lord hardened the heart of the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, so he chased after the people of Israel, who had left with fists raised in defiance. The Egyptians chased after them with all the forces in Pharaoh's army, all his horses and chariots, his charioteers and his troops. And the Egyptians caught up with the people of Israel as they were camped by the, by, by the shore. So imagine you're the Israelites. You've just escaped slavery in Egypt. God has led you into this indefensible and unescapable place and you see the dust on the horizon, the dust in the wilderness. And you see this massive army with 600 chariots is bearing down on you. What are you going to feel? Verse 10. As Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and they panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. They cried out to the Lord and they said to Moses, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen while we're still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves in Egypt. It's better for us to be slaves in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. Yeah. They freaked out. God delivered them. God's led them. And this is their response. I would condemn them, except I see so much of myself in them. I know God's purposes are good, and yet I find myself between a rock and a hard place sometimes. Panic, questions, 
condemnation of myself, condemnation of others. See, that's not the response of faith. It's the response of people who need to grow in faith. And the people of Israel needed to grow in faith. Remember that these people have been enslaved for their whole life. Their response, these are the responses of a slave. And God is in the process of delivering them from slavery, but he's also in the process of uh, delivering them from the addiction of slavery. He wants to show his people that he is stronger than the one who conquered them. When you're in the middle of panic, and it looks like you're just about to be overwhelmed, it's really helpful to have a person of faith around to to reassure you. So listen to what Moses says, verse 13 of chapter 14. But Moses told the people, don't be afraid, just stand still and watch the, the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you, Just stay calm. Now there's a verse that we should memorize, right? Verse 14. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Say it with me. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. One more time. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. That's the truth. Those are good words to remember when you find yourself in the wilderness. Or when you're staring at your apparent doom. Or when you're approaching a way things that you don't see escape and the escape is blocked. Of course, well, The people are complaining to Moses. Moses is crying out to God. Even people of faith, and especially people of faith, cry out to God. I love God's response. Take a look at this, verse 15. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. I love it, right? There is a time to be praying And there's a time to stop praying and get moving. There's a time to pray and there's a time to move. It takes a lot of wisdom to know which is which. God says, "Ah, why are you crying out to me? Just get the people moving. Verse 16. So pick up your staff and raise your hand over the sea. Divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground and I will harden the heart of the Egyptians, and they will charge in after the Israelites. My great, joy will be dis- uh, my great glory will be displayed through the Pharaoh and his troops, his chariots and his charioteers. When my glory is displayed through them, all Egypt will see my glory and know that I am the Lord. Then the angel of the Lord, who had been leading the people of Israel, moved to the rear of the camp. The pillar of the cloud also moved from the front and stood behind them. The cloud settled between the Egyptians and the Israelite camps. As darkness fell and the clouds turned to fire, lighting up the night, but the Egyptians and the Israelites did not approach each other until light 
until uh, uh, each other all night. Okay. So the Egyptian army has pursued these people right to the sea. God says, just stay calm. Mo uh, then he tells Moses, get the people moving. Pillar of fire moves from the front of the people, guiding them to the back, between the Egyptians and the Israelites. And then there's this pause. This all-night pause. What's up with the dramatic pause? God tells Moses how he's going to deliver his people. They're going to cross through the Red Sea. And, uh, and he wants... Um, it's too close to evening, though. So he says, oh, no. Okay. Put your hand over. I'm going to cause the Red Sea to part. But uh, for now, there's a cloud, there's a pillar of fire between the Egyptians and you. If I were the Israelites, I'd want to get out of there now, right? Don't wait all night. Uh, I'd want to be there now. But there's often a pause between when God shows you what he is going to do and when he does it. I suspect that God wanted his people to see his deliverance, and that required daylight. God has his reasons. I'm going to do it, but there's a pause. Verse 21, So Moses raised his hand over the sea, and the Lord opened up a path through the water with a strong east wind. And the wind blew all night, turning the seabed into dry land. So, so God parts the sea, but he doesn't want to get their feet all muddy, so he dries the land. So the people of Israel walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground with walls of water on each side. Then the Egyptians, all of Pharaoh's horses, chariots and charities, charioteers, uh, chase them into the middle of the sea. But just before dawn, the Lord looked down on the Egyptian army from the pillar of fire and cloud, and he threw their forces into total confusion. He twisted their chariot wheels, making their chariots difficult to drive. Let's get out of here, away from the Israelites, the Egyptians shouted. The Lord is fighting for them and against Egypt. When the Israelites had reached the other side, the Lord said to Moses, now raise your hand over the sea again. Then the waters will rush back and cover the Egyptians and their chariots and charioteers. So, that the, so as the sun began to rise, Moses raised his hand over the sea, and the waters rushed back into its usual place. The Egyptians tried to escape, but, but the Lord swept them into the sea. Then the waters returned and covered all the chariots and charioteers, the entire army of Pharaoh, of all the Egyptians who had chased the Israelites into the sea. Not a single one of them survived. But the people of Israel had walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground. As the water stood like a wall on both sides, that is how the Lord rescued Israel from the hands of the Egyptians that day. And Israel saw the bodies of the Egyptians washed up on the seashore. And when the people of Israel saw the mighty power that the Lord had unleashed against the Egyptians, they were filled with awe before him. And they put their faith in the Lord and in his servant Moses. They put their faith in the Lord and in his servant Moses. Following the leading of God, it's an exercise of faith. 
I know that for me, sometimes my assumptions get in the way of faith. If we're following God, then it should be the most efficient way of doing something. But sometimes God takes the long way. If we're following God, then we should never have to backtrack. But sometimes it's in the backtracking that the greatest lessons are learned. If we're following God, then we should be safe. And that's a true in the big picture sense. But sometimes during those snapshots of time, it may look like places are both indefensible and inescapable. But that, just, that doesn't mean that God hasn't led you there. Sometimes we're tempted to panic. Sometimes we're tempted to complain. We need to remember Exodus 14, 14, the Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. And there's a time to pray, and there's a time to call out on the Lord, and there's a time to move. You listen for God's voice and the wisdom on that. Sometimes, sometimes there's a pause between when God shows you what he's going to do and when he does what he's going to do. But God does come through. But the only way to develop faith is to walk through situations that need faith. What about you? Where do you find yourself in the story? Maybe you're still in Egypt and or maybe you're walking through a wilderness. Or maybe you're caught between a rock and a hard place, or a rock and a wet place. Maybe you need, need to see his delivery. Maybe you have seen his delivery. God, in this story, is intent on delivering his people from slavery. He's intent on delivering them from the addiction to slavery. He is intent on accomplishing accomplishing his purposes. And sometimes that makes his people really uncomfortable. His intents and purposes have not changed. I know that God wants to lead you into freedom, and sometimes it's not an easy process. It's sometimes really uncomfortable. But there's no better way than to get to know how God leads and walk with others who are seeking the leading of God. You may get it wrong, but God will always be with you. See, there's no better way to grow your faith than by exercising your faith. And there's no way to exercise your faith until you're put in situations where you need to walk out your faith. I know some of you are walking through some tough things. Or friends of yours are walking through some tough things. This is an opportunity where you can put your faith in God because you'll see him come through. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, grow our faith. Lord, don't let the wildernesses, the obstacles, the challenges, the opposition in our lives get in the way of what um, you want to do in our faith. Lord, you have a plan and a purpose for each person listening. And so I'm asking that by the, your power and your might that you would do amazing things as they watch you and they follow your ways. I ask this in Jesus' name.
Amen. Thanks for joining us this week on Asbury Free Methodist Broadcast. Make sure to visit our website at asburyfmperth.com where you can subscribe and never miss a show. If you'd like this broadcast, you might want to check out our Facebook page, Asbury Free Methodist Church. Until next week, take care and God bless.